I can't really explain why I feel like I must now, except given the world circumstances and the inspiring prodding of my husband and my daughter and some of my most lovely clients, I have felt the need tonight to record for the first time in a long time. Entitling this particular topic, Resurrecting Our Spirituality. The only way to survive what is happening in the world and within our own fear. I had a million different thoughts about what I was going to do with this topic tonight. But since Easter is tomorrow and many people around the world are Christians, including myself, although I believe in everybody's right to their path to God, and I also study Buddhism, Native American spirituality, a little bit of Hinduism, and many other diverse spiritual practices. I am an ordained Christian minister, and yet not in any stretch of the imagination would I be considered to be a traditional minister. I would more or less probably be called a mystical Christian teacher. Most of the things that we have studied about Jesus aren't the truths that were taught in the Bible or the stories that were taught in the Bible. My husband and I have spent over 20 years studying the origins of the Bible along with shelves and shelves of books about the spirituality of Jesus. So the story of Jesus is way, way, way too big to hold in the 325 pages of the New Testament, 50 pages of which are actually what Jesus supposedly said. I'm not going to debate whether it's right or wrong to believe in the Bible. I think everybody needs to follow their own path to what is inspiring. But I do want to open minds to see that there can be other truths that are equally as powerful. And at this time in our life, more than any other time in our life, and in history for any of us who are younger than 80, fear is ruling and gripping this world. I have made a commitment to myself and to the divine ones who work through me that yes, I will start doing these podcasts more regularly because people need to know what they tell me about what is happening, about life, about death, about viruses, about who lives, about who dies, and about fear, about the absolute paralyzing power of fear. Today, I think the most important thing is to understand that we can resurrect from all of the fear that we have been taught. Because the last several years have been filled with many, many things that are born from fear. Grief, anxiety, sadness, trauma, all of the ugly words that the ego plants in our mind to let us know that life is just too damn hard to get through and that the world is an ugly place and that people can be hurtful and an unnecessary part of existence. And then those who absolutely thrive on fear and conspiracies and conspiracies to create more fear instead of bonding together on something powerful and important and meaningful. 
So most people, even though we should be sitting in a place where we are protecting ourselves and those we love, huddle together in fear, in consciousness that has moved through the entire planet. In all of the tragic and absolutely unbelievably painful stories that have been passed around the world, there has also been absolute beautiful, incredible, amazing, heroic stories of love and humanity. And because of that, we can have faith and hope that there's more to us as a whole race of beings than just the negativity that has been born through this event. Tomorrow is Easter. It moves around. Obviously, people thought that Easter was just one day every year that we celebrated because Jesus rose from the dead on a particular day. If you search enough, you'll find out through stories that Easter moves around. It doesn't stay on the same day, and it was based on a pagan holiday. So there's lots of stories you can pick out of the Bible and sort through and go, what is that supposed to mean? Why does they say that? Usually I would get super in-depth about Easter, the tradition of Easter, how it came about, why it exists, but I'm not going to do that tonight. This is the first podcast in almost four years. There's been many, many losses in my family, loved ones, illnesses, challenges, pets, people, And the most important thing I wanted to focus on today, because it's the most important symbolic reason for this holiday, is resurrection. And it's a Latin term that means to rise again. One of the most powerful things that Jesus taught us is that we are to rise again. We are to rise again. I'm not going to talk about him dying for our sins. For one thing, I don't believe that's why he was born I believe he was born to teach us of our divinity and our power and our grace and our connection with divine DNA. As the offspring of a divine creator within us, divine DNA exists. It exists to take us past difficulties and challenges and to become a light in this world. I was reading about a little girl who was nine years old who was making masks to give to some of the medical professionals who were on the front lines, nine, making masks with her own little sewing machine. And I've sat back with all of these things that I know how to do, speak, write, do seminars, which I can't do now, of course, because we're not supposed to be out public. Um, And sitting back in that, well, what difference would would it make if I did X, Y, Z? What difference can I make? You know, for years I wondered what difference it was that I could make and why I was put on this planet. I struggled through many, many things, including addiction and traumas that are too deep and detailed to even explain, overcoming addiction to drugs and to alcohol and to many other things that aren't necessary to explain in detail right now. I've been sober for 35 years I have worked with some of the most incredible mentors and shamans and teachers on this planet. And what I have learned is that deep within me is the same divinity that Jesus tried to teach 2,000 years ago. 
and has been trying to teach from the heavenly realms ever since through his own let's just call them earth angels if you wish if that works or his own channels or his own vessels of individuals who are willing to teach his teachings which have nothing to do with judgment or with religion Jesus didn't come here to teach us to be Christians. Jesus came here to teach us that we were divine. There are so many quotes that I like to use when I talk about Jesus. Probably too many, but one of my favorite seminars to do is a seminar that we call Bujis, which is Jesus studying Buddhism and bringing to this earth plane an absolute consciousness of awakening that he learned himself by studying Eastern mysticism. There are so many stories about Jesus that people have written that you can choose to read and decide whether it fits in your own mind or in your own soul. But the most important thing is that you find something that helps you feel connected to something that is divine. Divine is something that is beyond these earth challenges that seem too overwhelming to even comprehend. You know, how are you going to pay the bills? How are you going to feed your kids? You know, how are you going to do anything right now? How are you going to get past where we are? How are you going to keep your loved ones alive? You know, we have a severely handicapped son. He's 25 now. He wasn't meant to live according to medicine in the days and he was born at 23 weeks and the power and the faith and the courage and the strength that that little guy has taught me I can't even put into words without being able to speak a word himself he's given me more wisdom than any other human being on this planet he speaks a truth that is deep and meaningful and powerful And he speaks it in a way that has overcome fear and pain and death over and over and over again. He's resurrected probably a dozen times in his life. He stands in the light where he just gives love and peace and asks for nothing in return. He's the oldest, strongest soul that I know. And he's been a gift to me. It's been tremendously painful at times, especially when he's been sick. Or in this case, the virus as it is could kill him. One of his major challenges is he has Im- he's immunocompromised and he has respiratory issues, amongst many other things, including seizures. But I can't even look at that. I can't even think about that. I think about what he teaches me now and the fact that there are so many people out there suffering with fear of, of, of all kinds that we have to stop and say, what's holding us together? What's going to hold us together? I've held this heaviness in my heart for the last several months, even before the news of the virus and what it was actually came to fruition in a solid way but in a way that made me wonder what the hell is the matter with this world? What is the matter with you know, our country, with who we are as people, with breeding fear and insecurity and greed and all the other things that have spread throughout the world as if this beautiful, beautiful country 
turn it as something that was about pain and fear and greed. And the light that we should be sharing with the world became dim. And all I could feel was the heaviness of the humans that felt the light slip away. And those who just wanted to hate on both sides. I won't get into my politics. They're rather obvious. But I will get into the fact that we each individually are leaving a dark imprint or an imprint of light every day we get up. And if there's that much darkness around us, then the way we have to change that is to bring the light of who we are into the playing field. In whatever it is that we can do, if it's money that we have, then we can share that. If it's love that we can share, we share that. If it's kindness, if it's an ability or a gift or or any type of of inspiration that can awaken love and light. And I don't mean, you know, mushy, groovy, hang on love. You know, I'm not a touchy-feely person. And, and I don't say that because, you know, I want to seem harsh. But when I say love, I mean a divine love, a powerful love, a beam of powerful light that is so brilliant that we couldn't look at it if it appeared in front of us. But that that light, that healing light, sends masterful, intense, amazing energy to heal this planet. And it sends it through divine beings who work through humans who are aware enough. The doctors and the scientists and all the amazing people who are tirelessly trying to find a way to heal this planet and the people on it from a deadly virus these people who are receiving information through the ethers and don't even know that that's where it's coming from. They just have brilliant minds. But the divine ones know which minds are open to send the light. Because those people have resurrected from the challenge and said, I need to make a difference. I need to do something. I have to have a voice. And I guess that's a ca what came to me, finally. I need to use my voice. I can't thank one of my greatest mentors who was my counselor when I went through treatment 35 years ago, actually longer now, who forced me, and I will say forced because I didn't want to do it. I wasn't very social and I was in a group and she wanted me to read meditations because she thought my voice was soothing. When I do meditations, I do believe it's soothing because it's the voice of my soul that is speaking through me and not my human voice that is speaking now, inspired by those who give me the messages to share with you. There will be a meditation about Jesus and about Easter attached to this particular podcast, but it's short. It's only eight minutes long. Most of the meditations on the podcasts are 30 minutes. That voice is a voice that I know is a special voice, not because it's mine, but because my divine self uses me to speak. And it sounds different and it feels different. And even I can listen to it and fall asleep when I need to. That voice has been calling me and telling me it's time. It's time to wake up from the grief and the sadness and the loss and the world consciousness that has weighed so heavy 
on my shoulders because I didn't know which way I should take what I know, what I know to do, how I know to reach out. I was tired. To be perfectly honest, I was tired. My mom dying after taking care of her for almost a year, um, losing both of our dogs who we absolutely loved. And I must say we now have two more that are crazy German Shepherd puppies. One's 18 months, one's seven. So their life as crazy, happy puppies has helped heal that. But that was a loss. Anybody who's ever loved a dog or a cat or any other pet, but dogs for some reason kind of get inside of you. Um, it was a tremendous loss for me, um, especially my female, because she was, you know, she was like a guardian. And um, their karma, which will be part of a series of, books that I'll be writing about death and the other side. The karma of animals is to actually take on our grief and our illnesses and our negativity, to take it on into their own bodies in order to help us live, to survive. They play it off, they run it off, they dissipate it into the energy and it heals and then they go on and they do it over and over and over and over, and over again until they're tired. And then they lay down and they go to sleep and they go home. Home exactly to the same home that we'll go to. The home in the heavens where all the divine ones are. And they will be blessed and they will be rewarded for their service. You know we're no different. Dogs symbolize loyalty. Their companionship and their loyalty is almost unequaled. And as humans we should have at least that same part of loyalty to our fellow man and woman and child. Whatever you have, whatever your gift is, your divine self knows. And your divine self is calling. The calling is getting louder and louder as things have become darker and darker. The light bearers, as I call them, those who are evolved souls who have a gift to give the world are being called. You might feel restless, you might feel sad, you might feel depressed or anxious or scared, but all of those things are part of awakening the calling within that says the world needs you. It needs you to resurrect. It needs you to rise up. Jesus rose up and was born into this world to teach us that we were divine. And as entities of a divine creator, we are being called to rise up, to let go of the darkness that has us in shackles and fear and the limited ignorance that has been spreading through this planet for the last few years. It needs to stop. And it can only stop if we bond together and find out what our common light is to share. No matter how weird it sounds to somebody else. You know, spirituality is really the only thing we can hang on to when the bottom falls out. And I don't mean religion. Unless your religion touches you so deeply that you can go into a building, which you can't really do now anyway. But your religion touches you so deeply that you can go there and find your peace and find your answers. No one religion can do that for me and never has been able to do that for me. 
That is why as I sit in what is called our sacred space, I see a, three statues of Jesus in here and a big bronze statue of Buddha, many, many, many symbols of Native American spirituality, all of my totems, stones, crystals, cathedrals of amethyst, um, pictures that have been painted by my absolute favorite spiritual inspiration visionary artist Gilbert Williams that to me are visions of the ethereal plane. Um, this entire room is filled with things that are spiritual in nature. Some people might say they're blasphemous. Some people might look at what we look and believe to be our quote religion but I won't call it that I'll say our spiritual path and think that it's blasphemous um, it's not blasphemous if it's our light and it's our path and it brings light and love to other people because it may not follow the guidelines of the quote rules of traditional religion I don't care I mean I don't believe in hell except for the hell that we're creating on this planet and the hell that we have done to this planet and the people on this planet. So I can't be threatened by the fork-tailed devil that is running around trying to send us all into the fiery depths. The biggest devil we have to worry about is the one that is our own ego. The strength and the power of that side that wants money and power and strength and dominion over humans and feasts and lusts over power. That's the devil we need to worry about. And that one actually can exist side by side in us if we let it. It loves control. It loves to be dominant. It loves attention. It loves all those things. And our goal as a human being in this lifetime and the reason we were born was to diminish and control that side of ourself until it no longer has a voice. And the only voice that speaks through us is the voice of our soul. And that soul is guided by all the divine beings on the other side. Jesus was sent here. He was sent here knowing exactly what his mission was. And his mother Mary there are so many stories about Mary that are so amazing about what a powerful, amazing human being she was. And she knew she was going to give birth to Jesus. And she was a powerful, powerful leader of a woman. Of course, that's not the story that you will be told traditionally. She was a weak little virgin. And yet you got to really ask yourself a few questions that sit in history a virgin, and yet he had several brothers and sisters. History, if you follow it just a little bit, and some of the stuff that's come out in the last 20 years, um, how could she have been a virgin? Seriously. I don't care that my Mary is not a virgin. My Mary is a powerful, amazing, incredible woman, goddess, who gave birth to a powerful soul who came here to change the planet. And when I get into my spiritual place where I need help, and I've needed it a lot the last couple of years, and if I need to drop to my knees to get it, I drop to my knees. If I curl up on the sofa in this room 
in a blanket and cry, and it is Jesus and Mary that show up and say, what do you need, Lenny? We're right here, right here. What do you need? If they tell me to go to the Jamie Sam's sacred path cards or the medicine cards, which are amazing divination tools, and to just draw a card, ask for one of the animals to tell you what they represent and for what energy are you supposed to focus on today? Who's your messenger today? Who comes to you? Does Raven come to you and speak of the magic that you need to awaken in your heart? Does Snake come to you and tell you that you need to transform the negativity and transmute your fear into your divinity? Who comes to me? They guide me where I need to go. They lead me to the divination tools that I need to use, even though, as bizarre as it may sound, my own intuition can hear them speak to me. And I can see them in my intuitive eye. So I know they're there. And I know they're there to hold us up. And I also know that they send the most powerful of all angels, which is the Archangel Michael and his legions to surround this planet, to protect it. But they can't interfere with our free will as humanity. We were born here to exercise the free will to literally exercise our own ego out of our own being and let the voice of our soul take over to help humanity evolve. And we live in this beautiful, amazingly empowered atmosphere that is a goddess itself, which is the earth plane. Her waters, her mountains, her oceans, her seas, all of the creatures that live upon her. She's there giving us a home and a place to live, even though we have done very little really to show our appreciation and gratitude for all she has given us. And if you want a really good lesson in that, you'll find the greatest spirituality in honoring the earth in the Native American cultures and some of the other cultures in other parts of the country. But in this country, in North America, in the United States, in Canada, in Alaska, the Native Americans, they knew long before the Europeans came here what a beautiful place the Earth Mother was and how important it was to respect all things that lived upon her. I used to get super bummed out about the environment and all the things that are going on and, oh my God, how is the earth going to survive humankind? You know, we're polluting her airs, we're destroying her water, you know, we're poisoning her. I mean, my God, how can she take anymore? You know, this we're, we're killing her. And my husband said, sweetie, the earth is a very, very powerful entity. What's going to happen is not that we will kill her. What will happen if we don't find a way to respect her and give her the light and the healing that she deserves and the respect she deserves by giving us a place to live and breathe and play and grow is that she'll shrug and she'll get rid of all the humans so that she can start over and see if better humans will arrive who will take better care of her. She'll just shrug 
and we'll be like a bunch of little ants and we'll fall right off. And she'll just yawn and say, I had enough of them. So what's next? Let me clean my waters and my air and my land. And I'll let the those that live on this planet, the animals and the birds and the things that swim and the bugs that crawl, they can stay because they know what balance is about. But the humans know they can't stay right now. They've done too much damage. Maybe they can come back later. Can't tell you how many times I've wondered if that's what she's doing right now is shrugging. Just shrugging. Put her both her shoulders up, shake them up a little bit. And saying, yeah, I've had enough. Need to get rid of some people. Maybe all of them. Not that I'm saying that the people who have passed from the virus were destroyed because of the earth. I don't mean that. I'm talking about the big picture of us as humans. What are we doing here? And what is this message? The first message I've given in three years except to my individual clients. And that message is that we are to resurrect. We are to become the spiritual entities that we were born to become. We are to shrug off all the negativity and the ego that has been driving this planet into the ground. And as we give the light and the energy that we have that is healing, little by little, things will change. We will change. And hopefully we'll master the ego. Because that's a huge, huge part of why we're here. Later this week, I hope, and if not this week, next week, I will do a service on the ego and on fear and on how we can overcome what is happening and become healers of this world instead of destroyers or bystanders. The majority of us are bystanders. We're just hanging out in our house, waiting for someone to tell us what to do. There are so many people out there who are not bystanders. And I can only pray to God, the creator, because I don't believe God is a male or female. I believe God is an energy. And in some form or another, if it took a form, it would be a combination of both. Sometimes I'll use the word creator instead of God. And by the way, you can swim yourself through the Bible and not find the word God anywhere, except as it was translated multiple times. But the original text, it wasn't called God. The natives call the divine one the creator, and I like that word. You can call it whatever you want. It doesn't care. But that powerful divine light of the creator of God, of the divine one, moves through actual entities like Mary, like Jesus, like the archangel Michael and all the divine master teachers, guides, guardians, and even our loved ones on the other side. And they're all calling the same thing. Rise. Rise up. Resurrect. Resurrect from whatever has got you in its clutches. Your own ego telling you why you should be afraid. Telling you to believe things that just aren't true. Telling you to believe the things that are true. Rise up and listen. 
Take a piece of your day out every day and send love and light to those who are struggling. Say a prayer for those who are working to find cures and are taking care of people who are struggling. Stop judging those who are trying to make a difference. And the conspiracy theories that I have heard, even in this last week, are so insane that I can't even put words to my disgust and disrespect for people who think that this is a government conspiracy in order to create a vaccine. If you had a child like ours, you would pray to God that that vaccine already existed. What crazy concept can live in anybody's brain that a vaccine was being created out of this virus so that people can get rich? Yeah, we would shut down the entire world, these leaders, whoever they are, who are going to get rich, rich how, on a few billion dollars of, of vaccinations, when trillions and trillions of dollars are being lost in economies around the world, where people are dying and people don't have jobs and countries are shut down, a conspiracy theory because someone, quote, wants to make money on a vaccine. It's insanity. And those who share that type of reality need to stop sharing it because it's dangerous. It's dangerous to think that way because little boys like mine, they don't have a chance to fight for themselves when people spread those kinds of rumors and lies so that those who are out there trying to protect them medically are looked at as if they're conspiracy theorists who are going, yeah, quick. Let's hurry up and find a way to spread that virus and kill more people so we can sell some vaccines. I mean, really, people who believe that, really. I got pretty angry this week having that discussion with someone. Found out that some people that I actually love, um, even family members, lean towards that direction. Um, shocking. So all I can say is shocking. And people who don't understand what it is to lose a loved one to this illness, people who are weak and frail and old or have special needs, you know, karma's a bitch. And if you're not careful about the things you program and the things you teach and the things you say, you will learn one day through your own losses. So I implore those who are running around screaming that this is some kind of uh, government conspiracy and that we should just get over it and move on um, to slow down and wonder if you want to live a life that you're creating by spreading things that you know absolutely nothing about. Rise up, resurrect from ignorance, from the ignorance that tells you that this is a conspiracy. Rise up from your fear that says, I should just forget that I've got any power whatsoever because I have no power. You are power. You were born with divine light inside your entire being. You were born with the power to be able to do anything you decided you wanted to do if you put your mind, your soul, and your heart, and your faith in it. What you need now, what I need now, what all of us need now is a spiritual focus, a coming together of love and light and wisdom and consciousness. We need the strength 
to bond together in our light, even if we can't be together in physical form, but in our minds we can amplify the power of our light as an entity and do something, even if it is pray, even if it is to send visions of light and healing. And it most assuredly is to become involved when it comes to politics and time to vote and times to change laws and change people to do your part in making sure that the changes that happen are the changes that are going to be the right changes. I am a huge believer in quotes. And although I started off with five pages of quotes, I did edit it down because I think it's important that I keep this particular podcast about the resurrection and about my belief in Jesus and who he is, not just who he was. Easter is tomorrow, but every morning we wake up, we are resurrecting from yesterday. The mistakes we made, the fears we had, the actions we didn't take, we have an opportunity to have a do-over. And for those of us who understand the power that is in this universe and the true alchemical, mystical power of Jesus as a divine being, we can sit in some kind of faith and say, talk to me, tell me what to do. He's listening. Mary's listening. They're all listening. And they're sending the power and they're sending the light, but they can't take the action. That's our job They're sending us the energy and they're sending us the love and they're sending us the healing and the power, but they're telling us that we have free will and we must use it. We must make the decisions. They'll give us all the support they can, but they won't do it for us. They'll do it through us. So here's a couple of quotes. I've used these before I used them at key. So for some of you who are familiar with the key to life structure and some of the services that were done back in the day, which I hope we will bring back. In fact, we were planning on starting seminars before all of these things happened. And I'm positive that that time will come. And for now, my form of seminars will be through the podcasts. And um, if you find whatever I say offensive, understand that this is my belief. These are the beliefs that I've studied for decades. And they're my beliefs. And in sharing them with you, it is that I hope to bring you some sense of strength and protection and divine love and understanding to help get rid of fear. If any of it doesn't feel right to you, then just turn me off. Just shut it off. Because I don't have any desire to convince anybody to change the way they think. What I do want to do is to inspire people to find a belief system they can hang on to. Because what is missing right now in our world is the absolute connection to our spirituality. People have lost faith or never had faith anyway. Because church was not inspiring. Religion was not inspiring. But you know what is inspiring is you are inspiring. 
your divine purpose is inspiring the people you love who are around you and your children and if you don't have children the old people who can share stories or your relatives or anything around you you can look at and say wow that's really amazing a beautiful sunset that my daughter will call the golden hour that's inspiring watching two eagles land on a nest they return to every year is inspiring my orioles returning on the same day every year and my hummingbirds coming back on the same day every year that's inspiring so we can find spirituality and inspiration even if we can't find it in something that is concretely called religion and with that the first quote deep into this particular communication religion is for those who don't want to go to hell spirituality is for those of us who have already been through it and that's by anonymous when we've already been through hell and i will have to say i've been through hell and back several times in my lifetime um, spirituality is the only thing that keeps me alive and believing that there is a tomorrow to hope for um, there isn't a religion on this world that can do that for me but there is a lot of belief in the spiritual composition of many many different belief systems that can move me and protect me and hold me if i'm afraid that spirituality and if that moves you then find it and keep searching until some light goes off in you and you go that's it that's the light and it's in the center of your chest and it's your divine dna it's a particle of the creator that created you that is the same particle that is rising every single day that you breathe it is the intense life force particle that created jesus and mary and all the others that came before them jesus and the power of his light and the light that he brought to this planet to teach us that we were more than human that we were made in the image and likeness of god that's what he came to teach us and that this and greater things shall you do he came to teach us about our magnificence and somehow we lost it we lost it by letting our own ego tell us we were less than we are by letting people trounce all over us and make us feel small and insecure by being a bully we became a bully and decided that felt awesome to have power over people well what goes around comes around and as you sow so shall you reap those aren't just words i love this this was by a minister from unity church that went way 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 back fundamentalists believe that jesus was god becoming man the truth is jesus was man becoming god and what that belief is is that jesus was born here as a man through mary who was a woman and through all of his teachings which were incredibly magnificent because he was a very evolved soul and in many of the teachings believe that he studied buddhism and hinduism and many of the arts 
I have several books that are comparison teachings of Buddha and Jesus, and some of Jesus' sayings are almost identical to Buddha's. And Buddha lived 500 years before Jesus. There are many books that are written about Jesus' life in the East that are called the lost years in the Bible. They're actually missing lost years. What that means is from the time Jesus was 12, which is where the story ends in the Bible, he is not spoken of in the Bible again until he's 31. And then he comes back, lives for a couple years, and then he gets crucified. So what happens in our personal life, and anybody you know, between ages 12 and 31? Well, in most cases, we grow up. We experience a lot of things. We're a kid, then we're a teenager, then we're a young woman or a young man, and then we're an adult, and we kind of have an idea of who we are. Well, that's what Jesus did between the lost years of 12 and 31, is he learned who he was. He learned his powers. He learned truth. He learned wisdom. He learned healing. He learned how to be what they called the master yogi by studying in the East. He studied Buddhism. He studied with some of the most powerful Eastern religions and leaders. And they called him the great yogi because they said he was the only one that mastered the true art of yoga not the Western, let's all get together and sweat because it'll make us look great yoga that we've been taught here. But the true yoga, the spiritual understanding of the breath of life and that breath is life and how to harness the power of the soul through the breath. And he did that and learned many, many, many other things that made him a mystic and then came back to teach him to a very violent group of people. But it shifted the consciousness of the planet because he taught his followers that they were meant to resurrect from their human limitations and to become their God self by banishing their ego. Now, much of that is not in the Bible. In fact, there's really only four or two disciples in the four gospels, which you know, people just don't read the Bible. They read it and then it's translated for them, but they don't really know what it is. Um, the gospels, there's four. Four gospels, which means stories, it means good story. Um, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Those are the four gospels. Matthew was a disciple, which was a follower of Jesus. And John, he was also a follower. But Mark and Luke were scribes. They were translators. So they weren't even disciples. So you have two guys in there that happened to be followers of Jesus, that whatever they said that were in the Gospels is what is taught. And the majority of the rest of the New Testament were stories that were created, that were taken from letters that were written by Paul and sent to his churches in order to get his people to behave themselves because they were all pretty out of control. Paul never knew Jesus. Paul had visions of Jesus on the road to Damascus. And he absolutely created this huge monumental religion 
Christianity on the premise that he understood what Jesus wanted everybody to do. Now, Jesus had a brother, and he his name was James. He could not stand Paul, and he had his own version of Christianity. It was called Jewish Christianity, and it was based on what they called Mosaic Law, which were the laws of Moses combined with the laws of, or the teachings of Jesus. And James taught that, but they didn't write it down. They told stories from person to person. Pauline Christianity, which is based on Paul, he's the one that the Roman Catholic Bible is basically um, comprised of, is Paul. And there, there's a lot of history on that I can get into another time. And then there were the Gnostic Christians. Gnostic means knowledge or wisdom. These were the disciples of Jesus that were not allowed in the traditional Bible, they were not allowed. And that comprised the rest of the missing disciples that are not in the Bible. Ten missing disciples, including Mary, who they called his favorite disciple. And there are many, many books written about what did Mary say? You know, what does what is the gospel of Thomas? What is the gospel of James? What is the gospel all the, they're all, all the rest of them. And the gospel means what was their story? What was their take on what Jesus was teaching? Well, Jesus was teaching everybody that they had the power to become more than just a human, that they were made in the image and likeness of the divine creator, and that that's what they should seek, is that divine part of them. They needed to resurrect the divine part of them and become their best selves in order to help the world be a better place and to banish the ego because all it wanted to do was keep humans in the cycle of karmic rebirth and to control and destroy for the sake of power. So he would laugh sometimes at his own disciples, at their ignorance when they would not see what he thought was so simple. You know, you're divine. You're this amazing divine being. You know, you, you don't need to crush people or make people believe things, make them believe things because you said so. Jesus didn't print one word of anything. Everything he did, he told stories and people translated it. And later on in the third century, um, in 325, the Roman Emperor Constantine ordered the organization of one Christian teaching because there were so many out there because there were so many disciples teaching stories about Jesus. And that's a really long story that I can't get into right now. But after he brought together all these bishops, most of which hated each other, and a lot of people said they were not going to adopt this one theological book as the only teaching and half of them boycotted the council when they were done and Constantine said okay here's your book this is your book this is your Christianity now this is what you believe and anybody taught believing anything else is going to be killed so not only did he then have everybody killed who was a Gnostic Christian he sent his troops into Alexandria and Egypt and burned the library where all of these sacred texts were kept that went way, 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 way back before Jesus. 
I mean, thousands of years before some of the Egyptian spirituality. And so what was left was this tiny little sliver of what Jesus taught. But to resurrect from what was put on humanity as Christianity is probably one of the most important things you can do if you want to expand your understanding of spirituality yourself. You know, the divine part of spirituality. Imagine if you and your most gifted self could do the things that Jesus did. What if you could? You know, people are doing that right now, even with this virus. The people that are trying to create an answer, a healing. They're creating a way to create life and to stop death. At church on Christmas, if you go back and listen to podcasts on Christmas, I tell people that the symbology of what has happened technologically on this planet in the 2,000 some odd years since Jesus was here is what Jesus said when he said, know ye not that this and greater things shall you do. He was talking about himself and he was talking to the people around him that these miracles that I do, these are things that you're going to do, but you'll do even more. But you've got to drop this minuscule understanding of yourself and find the divine light inside of you. Resurrect that light and use it so that you can heal people. So then I say to our group on Christmas Eve, what are some of the most amazing miracles Jesus did? Well, he helped the blind see. Well, you know what? There are several surgeries now that can take completely blind people and with cornea implants and other things can give them their sight. The deaf can hear because of cochlear implants in the ears and other technological devices that were created to help the deaf hear. Bringing people back from the dead happens every day, thousands of times a day with defibrillators, with different medications, with um, CPR. There are so many things that Jesus said, these and greater things shall you do, because he was doing them to maybe a few hundred people. He knew because he was a mystic and a powerful, amazing being who could see, of course, what was going to happen way, way, way into the future, that now hundreds of thousands of people would be using technology to help people see, to hear, to come back from the dead, and to walk. Well, think about what has happened to the technology of artificial legs and arms and hands and the prosthetics that allow people to walk who never could. I mean, everything that he did, we are doing as a society, except the love part. We're not doing that right yet. The peace part, we're not doing that right yet. Banishing the ego, we're not doing that right yet either. We need to resurrect. We need to awaken the light that is within us and do the things that he came here to teach us. Whether you're a Christian or not, you don't have to be a Christian to follow his teachings any more than you have to be a Native American to respect their teachings or to respect the animals or the earth 
or the air or the land, the water. You don't have to be Native American to do that. You just have to be the right kind of spiritual being that can see with open eyes and an open heart and an open soul. This is a funny little quote, but I love it. It says Jesus called and he wants his religion back. I think it's amazing to think about what he thinks about watching some of the things that people do in his name. The threats and the lies and the power and the the fundamentalists who use his name in vain on a regular basis. He doesn't like it so much. And he knows that what goes around comes around and everybody's karma will be their karma. And their soul will come back again over and over and over again until they finally figure it out and say, I get it now. I need to put that ego that is so destructive away find the best in me that Jesus was trying to teach and use that self to help the world. This is a quote by Mahatma Gandhi, which I love. Once when the missionary E. Stanley Jones met with Gandhi, he asked him, Mr. Gandhi, though you quote the words of Christ often, why is it that you appear to so adamantly reject becoming one of his followers? Gandhi's reply was, I don't reject your Christ. I love your Christ. It's just that so many of you Christians are so unlike your Christ. How true is that? How true is that? I mean, honestly, I have known so many people that are not Christian that are some of the most spiritual people I've ever met and when the whole thing was going on with the, the big Muslim slam a few years ago, it was a brilliant and amazing Muslim man who literally saved my brain, my mind, and freed me from a trauma that had me gripped so tight that I didn't know if I would live another day. I was in so much pain. A Muslim a brilliant, amazing Muslim, one of the most spiritual men I've ever met. Did he need to be Christian in order to be worthy of this amazing respect and admiration I have for him? No, he did not. He just needed to be who he was. And I'm sure his Muslim religious beliefs have made a huge impact on who he is. But I also believe that he is deep, and has a huge, diverse understanding of spirituality that is channeled and streamed through him from the divine planes as he's saving lives daily from traumas that are unbelievable and emotional. And yet at the same time, I have another woman that I've worked with who I absolutely adore who is a Christian. Do, does one of them outweigh the other because of their religion? No, they don't. There's a point in that, and the point is the Christ energy of love and healing and communication and awareness and creativity and purpose. That Christ energy is a light that Jesus is saying every single day, rise, rise up resurrect, 
resurrect from whatever is holding you down and move. It took me a long time to come back to doing the podcasts because I was still struggling through a lot of my losses and not to, you know, say that I've overcome them all. I haven't. I'm in the middle of a bunch of shit. I mean, who isn't? My purpose in sharing is to hopefully um, help people understand that we're not lost. We've forgotten what spirituality is and how important it is, and we need to rekindle that light. We need to rise. Resurrecting on this Easter to say every day I will resurrect. I will resurrect that part of light that is in me, that is my soul, that is my spirit, and everything I do will come from that place. And if I forget that and I let that small ego of mine that gets really, really um, angry or wimpy or whiny or bullyish or whatever the hell it does, when it starts acting up, I'm going to ask the divine ones to give me the strength and the power to kick it to the curb so I can live my highest life as I am meant to, to remember what he tried to tell us so many thousands now years ago the kingdom of god is in you that was a quote straight out of the bible seek ye first the kingdom and all else will be added unto you what does that mean it means you seek the kingdom of god in you you learn to understand the power of the light that jesus brought here first And in that spiritual search and in that spiritual study, you awaken to who you are. You might be bounced all over this flipping planet from job to job, from mate to mate, from understanding to understanding, but one day you will resurrect. You'll rise up and you'll go, I get it. I am the light. I am divine. I am the offspring of God, and therefore I am divine. You can't strip that divine DNA out of you any more than you can strip the DNA out of you that was your parents. It's a part of you. You could keep trying to suffocate it by letting your ego take over, but you can't get rid of it. It's going to keep calling because that's what the voice of the soul does. It keeps calling. I've stuck my fingers in my ears and I've cupped my hands over my ears and said, I'm too tired. I'm too tired. I've physically gone through a lot. I have mentally, emotionally, and spiritually gone through a lot. I need a break. But what I've realized and what forced me to record this, and I mean forced me, as I kind of clomped down the stairs into this beautiful place that we call our sacred space, is that this is my calling. This and writing books and helping people, that's my calling. And that is what protects me and that's what awakens me and that's what heals me. And even though I've been tired and I've used it a lot and I am allowed to rest, running away from my own calling is hardly the path I should be taking. The path I should be taking is all about everything that connects me with my spiritual purpose. The Gnostic Bible, which is a collection of the teachings that were not allowed in the regular Bible that were found in Egypt in 1945 in an earthen jar by some farmers who were digging for fertilizer. So out of there came 13 codexes 
And in those codexes were the other teachings of Jesus that had been hidden away that some monks had stashed in a jar and buried deep into the riverbed in order to keep them from being destroyed during the burning of the libraries in Alexandria by Constantine. But they were found in 1945, and they actually were put together and called the Gnostic Bible. To know oneself at the deepest level is to simultaneously know God. I, I love that quote. So if we know ourselves at the deepest level, which is that we are akin to Jesus and that we are the offspring of God, that we were created in the image and likeness of a divine creator, to know that is to simultaneously know God. What a powerful thing. How can we be weak? How can we just let go? And let other people just take over. And let other people have all the say. And let people bully us. Or let people talk down and bully other people. How could we just stand there if we know that that power is in us to make a difference, to make a change, to be inspired, to touch the lives of people who need us? This also comes out of the Gnostic Bible. If you continue to acquire gnosis, which means wisdom, through me and live by the principles I teach, you will be my true disciples. Then you will learn of truth and the truth will set you free. And then greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. That was actually in the Bible. So there are a few quotes in the Bible that are as deep as the Gnostic teachings, but you've got to dig for some of them. This quote is long. It's by Albert Einstein, so it's worthy of taking up a half a page. Einstein was brilliant. One of his most famous sayings is that he wanted to know the thoughts of God. The rest were just details. He was very much into Gnosticism and learning how the universe worked and what the creator of the universe was. And he was an amazing, amazing intellectual physicist. So it wasn't just some human who popped up. I mean, everybody, probably my own granddaughters, know who Albert Einstein is. This is the quote. One of many. Just Google inspiring Albert Einstein quotes and you can wallpaper your bedroom. The religion of the future will be a cosmic religion. It should transcend a personal God and avoid dogma and theology, covering both the natural and the spiritual. It should be based on a religious sense arising from the experience of all things natural and spiritual as a meaningful unity. Buddhism answers this description. If there is any religion that could cope with modern scientific needs, it would be Buddhism. That was Einstein. Although he studied many things, that was his way of saying that right now, in his time, which was in the 40s, the only thing that even came close 
was not traditional fundamental Christianity. It was Buddhism. And if you study Buddhism, you can understand why he would say that, although he did not say he was a Buddhist. He just thought that Buddhism would have more truth to help people get along and avoid judgment and dogma than some of the other religions. This is an amazing quote that I love that's by Philip. This is from one of the codexes that was found in the earthen jar um, in Egypt. And this was by Philip, who was a disciple. Uh, Philip was pretty, and a pretty amazing guy. And his gospels are pretty incredible. And this gospel speaks all of it in just one sentence. Two sentences. It says, Seek not to become a Christian. Seek to become a Christ. Now, let me explain that. Jesus was born a man, and his dad was a carpenter. Jesus became the Christ. And Christ means the manifestation of of God within man. So Jesus Christ was not his last name, Christ. It's what he became, which was the light of God, the manifestation of God on this planet. Seek not to become a Christian. This was the gospel of Philip because he watched people labeling themselves as Christians, butchering the teachings of Jesus and using them for their own power and their own will and their own financial gain and their own ego reasons. So for him, the goal was not to become a Christian. It was to become a Christ. Resurrect the light in you and become the Christ in you. The Christ in you, your hope of glory that's what the Bible says, the Christ in you. Now, that's a pretty weird thing coming out of the Bible, but it's in there. You can search it. Just Google it. Christ in you, your hope of glory, straight out of the King James Bible. Although the Bible, like I say, has been reinterpreted so many times, how much of it's what. But it's a pretty powerful statement coming out of the traditional Bible. So tomorrow is Easter. What does that mean to you? Coloring eggs, bunnies, chocolate. That's probably the most fun. Going to church, which sadly some people can't. Um, Jesus hanging on a cross, you know, being beat up, dying for our sins. Or there's a resurrection, some way, somehow, call to you. For you to rise up, to rise up from your own limitations, your own fears, your own doubts, your own insecurities, to rise up and resurrect to the truth that you are made in the image and likeness of God, and therefore you are divine, and that the Christ in you is calling you to rise and to become the you that you are meant to be. Hopefully, that's what this podcast can mean for you. At the end of this is a really short meditation, one I used to do at Key. Key to Life Center is what it was called. 
after my mom passed away, we kind of let it go because it was too difficult for me to do that and other things I was doing. We will we will resurrect Key on some at some point, but probably not as Key. We're not sure yet. I'm sure the powers that be will guide that process when it's meant to happen. This is the last quote that I'm going to use. And this is from the Gnostic Bible that is supposedly attributed to Jesus himself personally. It says, I have come not to be served, but to liberate divine beings from darkness by showing them the way back to the light. I am the way home. And he didn't mean his human self. He didn't want to be worshipped. He didn't want to be put up on a pedestal. He says that many times. He says, I want you to know your divinity by following me. Follow my way. The way shower. Let me show you the way. Rise up. Resurrect. Throw that cross you think you need to drag around onto the ground and rise up and be this divine, amazing being that you're meant to be. To free yourself from the darkness and the fear and the shadows of what the ego tells you is truth because it's not. Jesus himself, an actual entity, a being of power and light. Right there, right next to you this very minute, with whatever divine authority you need to call on with him to help you throw the darkness off and to let the light in so that he can help you understand what it is to be home. Home in the light, in the true light of God. The light that shines within your soul and your spirit. The light that this world needs so badly right now that it's calling to all of us. And in the next week, as I've committed to getting back to doing this, and it's pretty hard to rescind a commitment you make to Jesus, so I won't do that. And what I am going to promise is that I will continue to share what I am told to share and what I feel is appropriate. If it doesn't resonate, I won't be offended if you find your truth somewhere else. If it does resonate, I hope you can share it with those who are struggling without a belief system. It is my hope that today will bring some type of inspiration for you to seek whatever inspires you to find what is your spirituality. And as I said, if it helps you to listen to what is shared here on Voice of the Soul, then please tune in regularly because I will be adding new podcasts as we go. What I hope for everyone who listens is that you will realize that the power of the Christ is within you. And that this day, although it's just one day in one month that comes every year at a different time, is an opportunity to resurrect that light within you. Please listen to the meditation that follows, which is only 10 minutes long, and be in a quiet place where you can allow the message to seep into your soul. It's waiting to help guide you to where you need to be.
allow your intuition to take you there and know that you're protected, you're guided, and you're loved. Peace be with you. Peace.